have your Bible today, turn with me to Acts 2, verse 41. I want to talk with you today about baptism. Don't you think that's appropriate? We just had one. Well, I usually say a lot more when I'm baptizing somebody, but I didn't today because my whole sermon is about baptism. Today, you might want to get out your pen or pencil. Throughout my ministry, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, what about this? And it would be something about baptism. And so I'd go and look up the uh, scriptures that were appropriate and whatnot, and then somebody would come up and ask about something else. Well, today, I've taken all of those questions and put the answers in this sermon. So uh, I want you to write them down, and this would be helpful, of course, to... Uh, some folks that would ask you questions, then you'll know and you can say, wait just a minute, I've got a sheet on that. Um, well, let me begin by saying we were baptized for one reason and one reason only, and that is obedience. Obedience. The Lord told us to be baptized, and we're supposed to do what he tells us to do. He gave us the example. He was baptized. John the Baptist baptized him in the Jordan River. Cindy and I went over to Israel a long time ago, and we went to the very spot where they think that Jesus was baptized. It's a very pretty spot. The water's not too deep. It's not clean, but it's not too deep. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of trees, a lot of things. And if you want to... You can rent a robe, and then if you have somebody to baptize you, you go in there and you are baptized where Jesus was baptized. I took a group, and about six or seven of them said, well, I want to be baptized. So I had a baptizing day that day. It was great. They all said it was a real spiritual experience, and they enjoyed it very, very much. Well, Jesus did it, and he asked us, To follow in his footsteps. Baptism does not wash away your sin. Now that's the first thing. You want to get that down. Baptism does not make you a believer. That's the second thing you want to get down. Baptism does not complete the act of salvation. That's the third thing that you want to get down. Baptism is only for a public profession of your faith. And obedience. That's what it is. As you publicly profess your faith through baptism, it touches the heart of everybody that's there. And it is perhaps the greatest witness that an individual would ever have in their whole life. It's a wonderful thing. I have heard people say to me after they're baptized just a whole lot of different things. Most of them say, you know, I have never felt closer to God than the time that I was baptized. It just kind of pulled it all together for me. Well, the command to baptize new believers is, of course, a part of our Lord's great commission. Now, some of you uh, might be new to the faith, or you might be coming from another denomination where they don't talk about this much. But there is a thing called the great commission. It's kind of the short version of what we're supposed to do as Christians. 
It's in Matthew 28. Would you turn to that? Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have taught you, and that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Amen. Now that's what we call the Great Commission. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be involved in that. And some people come up and say to me, uh, well, you know, I'm never going out of America. How can I do that? We do that through our giving and through our prayers. Our church gives about 20% of our income to missions, which is very, very high. Most churches, they've averaged churches across America, Baptist churches across America, average church gives uh, 5% of their total offerings to missions. We give 20. We believe in it strongly. We're going to continue to do that. We want to reach people all over the world, people that we will never meet, but that our missionaries will meet. Well, baptism is the first act of obedience to God. Believe and be baptized. That's what the Scripture teaches. As soon as you can, after you're saved, You want to go uh, to water and be baptized. Now, I want to give you a bunch of verses. And if you're all warmed up and ready to go here, if you'll write these down and you'll read them two or three times, there's not that many, you can uh, have an answer for most any question that would be asked you about baptism. This was the part of main part of the proclamation of the early church. They would lead people to Christ and they'd say, you know, we need to baptize you. And of course, they didn't know what that was. And so they would explain it to them. And then right then, they would take them and be baptized. Let me give you these verses. Acts 2.38. They're all in Acts, so you can just, uh, you don't need to write Acts every time. Acts 2.41, which is our text today. Acts 6, Acts 8, 12, and 13, Acts 8, 36, Acts 9, 18, Acts 10, 47, and 48, Acts 16, 15, Acts 16, 33. Acts 18.8, Acts 19.5, and finally Acts 22.16. Over the years, a lot of, uh, I say young people, they were college, college age or early adulthood, would come to me and they would say, uh, you know, I know that you want us to be saved. And we want to be saved, but we don't want to walk down to the front of the church. You know, we're shy. We don't want to do that. And we don't want to be baptized. We don't want to do that. You know, we don't want everybody looking at us. We don't want, uh, you know, to do that. 
It's just beyond what we want to do. We're, we're shy. You know, that's just not the kind of thing that we do. Well, uh, I always say to them after they finish giving me all those reasons, I say, tell me about uh, what you're going to do when you get married. What, what's going to happen? They said, oh, we're looking forward to that. You know, we're going to invite all of our relatives, all of our friends, all of our neighbors, all of our working associates. We're going to invite everybody that wants to come. And uh, it's going to be an open-door deal, and it's going to be beautiful, and the girls are going to wear this color, and the guys are going to do, you know, they have it all in their mind about how it's going to be. They tell you what they wanted to be married in the church, in front of all their friends and all their family and everybody. They always say, you know, that's going to be very, very important to me when I do it. And and I want to do it here at the church. You know, I, I, I want to do that. I tell them that's very similar to what you would be doing in baptism. Very, very similar. Just as they would commit their lives to each other in front of many witnesses in the marriage ceremony, So becoming a Christian involves a public profession of your faith as well. It's a proud moment. It's a wonderful, wonderful time. Your whole destiny has changed. Everything has changed. It's different. I tell them, uh, baptism is like that. You get everybody together. You're baptized. You give a great witness for the Lord as baptism is explained. Jesus says, whoever confesses me before him, him will I also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But those who deny me before men, I will deny them before the Father who is in heaven. That's Matthew 10.32. It says, basically, we don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. We don't want to be ashamed to take a stand for him. And you know if it shakes some people up at work, when you do it, well then they're just shaking. That's all there is to you. You just go right ahead. You know, they're not going to control your life nor your relationship to Christ. The Bible speaks of the church as the bride of Christ. All the folks that are here will stand with you. And they'll love you. And they'll be a part of the family that will help you to grow and develop. In the Lord. The notion of sprinkling infants to wash away their original sin is wrong and always has been wrong throughout history. Now, a lot of people will argue about that until they drop to the ground. But they're wrong. They're just wrong. The New Testament lacks any reference to infant baptism. Now, you find the verse that says we're going to baptize all the babies. I want to see that verse because it is not in there. That is not biblical. In Catholic churches, this is very interesting. In Catholic churches, all baptisms were by immersion until the 8th century. I have tried to find out why they stopped after the 8th century, but I haven't been able to find it. If you go to Europe and you go in some of those old churches and look around at the pictures that are on the wall, 
you'll see scenes of baptism. And it's always by immersion. It's never by sprinkling. The Greek word for baptism is baptizoi. It's, it literally means to immerse in the water. Put you down into the water. You know, Jesus came up out of the water. He obviously wasn't sprinkled. He obviously didn't have somebody pouring water. He went down into the water and came up out of the water. Jesus took a word that was very common in that day, baptizo. That word was used when you wanted to bring up a ship that sunk. They would get some boats and they'd go out to where the ship was and some guys would swim down there and tie on some ropes and things. And then they'd pull the ship back up and take it to the shore and clean it up and it'd be ready to go again. The word for all of that was baptizoi. Well, Jesus took that word and made it a very spiritual word and gave tremendous meaning to that word. Since many early translators of the Bible into English were done by people that went to a denomination that practiced sprinkling, rather than to translate the word baptizoi, which means to immerse, they didn't say that, instead of translating it, they transliterated it. They took a word and didn't change the word. They changed the letters, you know, from a foreign language. They changed the letters, but they kept the same word. And the reason was, if the translators had translated it as immerse, it would have invalidated the practices at their church. And they didn't want to do that. So they just put in the word baptizoi. Now, that's the history of how that was done. And that's still that way today. There are still churches that don't use the word uh, baptizoi and mean by it immersion. Uh, They want to change it because evidently it's more convenient for them. Or they don't have to get their hair wet or whatever it is. Uh, The main scriptural reason for affirming that baptism should be immersion is what baptism signifies, according to Romans 6. Now, this is really kind of the main passage that you want to get in your mind, is Romans 6, 1 through 11. The proper meaning of baptism is not washing away your sins. That's wrong. If somebody tells you that, be sweet, but let them know that they're wrong. Uh, It is about death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. Not about us, it's about him, what he did. Like the Lord's Supper, Christian baptism refers to three tenses, the past, the present, and the future. Baptism looks back to the past as a memorial, as a reminder of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Paul says in Romans 6, Know ye not that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, through his death, the power of your sinful nature was shattered. Your old sin-loving nature 
was buried with him by baptism when. Now, the word when here is very important. This, it's not when we did something or another. It's when Jesus died. That's, that's what it, if you look at it, that's what it means. When Jesus died. That's what made all of this real. What gave it power. And when God the Father brought him back to life again, you were given his wonderful new life of joy. Now regarding the present, baptism symbolizes death to the old self and resurrection to the new life in Christ. Now sometimes you'll run into a person who tells you they're a Christian and just a few minutes later they're just cussing away. And you think there's something wrong with this picture. Well, you know, if somebody has grown up cussing all their lives, it's real hard to switch that in one second. You know, that's that's one of the reasons we're here. That's one of the reasons we have Sunday school classes. That's one of the reasons we talk about these kind of things in worship is because we're to be the teachers. We're to be the leaders. We're to be the, the helpers of helping people to a deeper and closer walk with our Savior. So we gradually move them out of having a filthy mouth to, you know, saying the the right thing in the right way. And sometimes that takes a while. It doesn't just happen overnight. That's the central message of Romans 6, that as Christians, we crucify the old self. We turn from our life of sin and self-centeredness, and selfishness. We, we turn away from that and experience the newness of life that comes only through Christ Jesus. Only through Him. You know, a lot of people like to say that Baptists are very narrow-minded. Well, that's what the Scripture says. And that's what we preach. And if people get mad about it, then they're just going to be mad. Because we're going to preach the Bible. And we're going to stand up for the word of God. And we're going to try as best we can to follow it. Baptism also looks forward to the future as it anticipates the resurrection at the end of time. Romans 6, 5 says, if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death. You remember as I baptized Catherine? You know, as we go down into water, it symbolizes death unto sin and self. As you come up out of the water, it symbolizes rising to walk in newness of life. You know, that's that's the deal. And that's what Romans 6, 5 says. Jesus said that the angels throw a party in heaven whenever somebody comes into repentance. That's in Luke 15, verses 7 and 10. Now, we should enter into God's joy when a sinner repents and trusts in Christ and is baptized. We ought to have great joy in our hearts. We ought to remember and pray for Catherine every day for a long time because she has had the courage to take a strong stand for Jesus. And that's what it's all about. 
We should enter into God's joy when they repent, when they trust in Christ, when they're baptizing. Every baptism is a celebration of the new life in Jesus. I think baptism is very, very important. I hope you do. It's something that we need to pray about. We need to pray about it. The school teacher said to his class of boys at church, he said, now I know that all of you say your prayers at night. Little Johnny raised his hand. He said, I don't pray every night. And the teacher said, well, why not? And he said, because I'm not scared every night. (laughs) Some people pray only when they're scared. Some people pray only at mealtime. Some people pray a lot. Some people have developed a pattern of prayer in their life that's very meaningful to them and helps them to be drawn closer to our Savior. In World War II, they had a saying, there are no atheists in foxholes. Am I right, Spencer? Punch Ed. Ed, am I right? Ed's asleep. He's a good man. You know, Ed is the most well-known man in this church. Did you know that? He, he was on the front page of the paper. He was, you know, at the Bucks game, they had a big picture of Ed. Have any of you ever had that? No. I mean, he was on the whole screen up there. He has so many awards, he has to rent a house to put them all in. (laughs) He's a Pearl Harbor survivor. You know, in times of crisis, we do need to pray. We really need to pray. Turn to God and pray. About 40 years ago, I was in Dallas. I was coming home late at night. It was raining all cats and dogs. I mean, it was raining hard. And I thought, well, this is not good. And I came, I could hardly see, I came to an intersection and there was a great big policeman. He must have been 6'5". He must have weighed about 300 pounds. I couldn't believe how big that guy was. I don't know how tall he was really or how much he weighed, but he was big. And uh, he was directing traffic with a flashlight because the the light had been blown out. This was a big storm. Well, I was driving toward him, and just as I got pretty close, a car came through the intersection and hit him and knocked him. This is a huge guy. Knocked him up in the air and a long way ahead. I got out of my car, I walked over to him, I was trying to, uh, you know, see if I could do anything or say anything, I don't know anything medical, so I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to say anything medical, uh, when I got over there, he was saying, God help me, God help me, God help me, God help me, and I tried to talk to him, he didn't ever stop, God help me, God help me, he thought, I'm sure he thought he was dying. He'd been hit by a car, knocked up in the air, knocked down the street. Well, I stayed with him till the ambulance arrived. It was a crisis in his life, and he started praying. You know, when a crisis comes in our life, we start praying. We really do. 
We all pray a lot in a time of emergency. When the doctor comes out and they look at you and they say, Mr. Smith, I'm sorry, but there's nothing else we can do for you. You know, then you you start praying. They come out to Mrs. Smith. They say, Mrs. Smith, I'm sorry, but there's not anything else we can do for you. And Mrs. Smith said, well, how long do I have? The doctor says, maybe six months. You know, and you leave there thinking, I'm going to pray. And they really begin to pray very hard. And some miraculously are saved. And some die a week later. You know, when it's a difficult time, we pray. When we have family issues, when somebody dies in our family, somebody that we really love, when the kids get out of whack and they lose their business or they are acting in a very inappropriate way for a Christian youngin', uh, you know, it breaks your heart. You want to change them around, but they're, they're not interested in listening. You pray. Well, baptism is very, very important. Jesus did it, and he said for you to do it. It's just that plain. As you think about baptism, it helps you to line up important things spiritually in the right chronological order. You trust in Christ. You make a public profession of your faith. You are baptized. You take the Lord's Supper. And then you grow in the likeness and image of Christ all the rest of your life. Those are the steps in the right order. Those are the things that the Lord wants us to do. So many people say, well, I'll get around to that soon. I got a bunch of stuff on my desk. I've got to do that. We're going to take a trip. We got to go down to Miami. We got to go to Cuba. We got to go to France. You know, we got to go. We're, you know, it's a big thing. We got to do it. We'll, we'll deal with that later. There's a thousand, well, probably a million. There are a million different things that people say, you know, I got to do this first. Well, it's not going to be a perfect time when you take a stand for the Lord. Did you know that? It's never a perfect time where all the things have fallen into line perfectly. A lot of people that are going to be very, very disappointed have been left standing on the street corner, waiting on the bus, waiting on the bus that has up there in that slot where it tells where it's going, perfection. You know, that bus isn't coming. If you're waiting on that bus, you're going to be waiting forever. Because that bus isn't coming. Years ago, I was trying to visit somebody, and I was in South Atlanta. And I thought I knew the way. And I was driving along, and the neighborhood got worse and worse and worse. I've taken Cindy through some bad neighborhoods (laughs) when I got lost. (laughs) This was a long time ago. And I thought, i got to get out of here. I'm going to get killed. And I was driving, and every time I would turn, it would seem like it would get worse. I was just trying to get out of there. And I came around the corner. This is so funny. I have remembered this very, very clearly all my life since this happened. I came around the corner. I was worried about if I was going to live or not. And here's this sign, great big sign on the front of this church. 
And it's in the title of the church is the perfect church. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. <laughs> I wanted to go in and say, this is not the perfect church. <laughs> if you've got a lot of people here, it is not perfect. The church that I pastor is not perfect. This church isn't perfect either. There's a lot of mistakes. A lot of people say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. But what we're trying to do is get in the right line and move toward Jesus. That's what we're trying to do. We have today to do what is right. We don't have tomorrow. We don't have next week, next year. We have today. Maybe you would not want to put off any longer trusting in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you wouldn't want to put off any more being baptized. You know, you can come up this morning and I'll talk with you about it or you can call me tomorrow and we'll set up a time to visit and then we'll do it whenever you want to, really. We do it Sunday morning, Sunday night. We want to help. We want to help you take the step that Jesus tells you you're supposed to take. So that's what uh, we want to do today. If there are folks in the house that want to trust in Christ, if there are those here that want to join this church, if there are some that want to rededicate their life to the Lord, you can come up here to this front pew and lean over and pray and ask God to help and lead and guide you. We're going to sing a hymn. And as we do, if you feel a tugging at your heart, just slip out and slip forward. And take a stand for Jesus. Let's stand as we sing.